Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of We Can Do Pod Things. I'm Annalise. I'm Emily. And we're coming at you with some new technology. So hopefully this makes the experience more enjoyable and not less enjoyable and not nearly as terrible as the last episode. Crossing my fingers, my toes, Honestly, my eyes. If you listened to that episode and you came back, Thank you yeah. for being brave and being willing to come back and listen. Give us another chance. Indeed. We have gone through some. But we did let the people know it was a rickety episode. We did. I mean, it was in the name. It was in the title. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we did do our due diligence right. there. Ma'am, do you have a quote of the week? No, I don't. Would you... <laughs> Be opposed to me reading the Ted Lasso explains the Enneagram. Not one bit. That I sent you um, here at We Can Do Pod Things. We are fans of Ted Lasso. I have not seen the new season yet because I discontinued my Apple Podcast or Apple Podcast. I would never my <laughs> Apple TV subscription, and I need to like re up it now that um, it's back on. But I know that you have finished it. I have, and it was satisfying good good um and we also love the enneagram so uh ones according to ted lasso would be doing the right thing is never the wrong thing for twos i think if you care about someone and you got a little love in your heart ain't nothing you can't get them through together ain't nothing you can't get through together (laughs) threes you say impossible but all i'm hearing is i'm possible I love that man. I don't care that he's fictional. (laughs) I love him so much. Four. Fours. It's funny to think about things in your life that can make you cry just knowing they existed. Fives. If that's a joke, I love it. If not, I can't wait to unpack that with you later. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of my favorite lines from the show. That's a great line, and it makes me wonder if I might be a five. I don't know. Six is, there's something worse out there than being sad. That's being alone and sad. Ain't nobody in this room alone. Oh, sweet. Sevens, you know what the happiest animal on the earth is? A goldfish. Goldfish. <laughs> you know Three why? Three-second memory, is that right? It's got a 10-second memory. Mm. Be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Eights, taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse, isn't it? If you're comfortable while doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. And then for you nines out there, Ted Lasso would say, be curious, not judgmental. That's very Brene Brown of him. Mm-hmm. Which one do you think you are at this point? I'm I'm staying with two. Mm-hmm. I think if you care about someone and you got a little love in your heart, ain't nothing you can't get through together. Spoken like a two. Like a two. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, all right, cool. So would you like to share with the folks what – episode we are doing this week? Why, certainly. We are talking about the We Can Do Hard Things episode featuring Michelle, I think it's LaVon Robinson mm-hmm. Obama, mm-hmm. Um, who really needs no introduction. No. Does she? Not really, no, she doesn't. So we are not even going to do that. Mm-hmm. That's just the episode that we're talking about. Yeah. The first thing I have written down is she has her own podcast called The Light. Yeah. And that is now on my list of must-hear podcasts. Um, And also, I guess now is as good a time to mention it as any other. Um, We 
may have one episode left in us for this season. And then we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to be the same brilliant, funny, hilarious, insightful podcast that we wish that we were and we believe (laughs) that we are. And we might change the setup just a tiny bit. Yeah. Like we are still going to listen to We Can Do Hard Things and we're still going to talk about episodes of that, but we're also going to have more guests and we may divert from We Can Do Hard Things every once in a while to a different podcast. And so it is very possible that we may end up covering an episode of The Light podcast on here. I can almost guarantee it. I feel like it's a foregone And Brene, yeah. we're coming for us. you, Brene. Yep, yep. yep. Um, there are several podcasts that we will likely end mm-hmm. up featuring. Um, and we'll still be – we can do pod things. Because we'll just, still be doing pod things, we'll y'all. we'll still be doing pod things. So don't worry, Glennon. We'll come back. We'll be back. I'll always come back for you, Glennon. <laughs> I will always love you. <laughs> uh, she wrote a book. Michelle Obama wrote a second book. I took it on my beach vacation. Oh! I didn't even crack the spine. But I took it. Okay. It well, was in my beach bag. You brought it to consciousness. The whole time. <laughs> I wanted to. But as you know, I could not take my eyes off my kids because deep open water scares the bejesus out of me. That's fair. <laughs> That's very fair. But just having her with me, just having Michelle with me, made me feel a little better. Honestly, yes. And that's uh, something that Glennon talks about, that Michelle Obama has been the constant the light, the light, if you will. Yes, and that's um, – I wrote down the phrase, uh, see and amplify the light in others. That's mm-hmm. the purpose of her podcast. And part of me also just wants to point out that when sometimes when you see and amplify the light in others, um, you can't unsee the light in others mm-hmm. even if they don't want you to see the light and that gets real tricky. But like it's fine. Whatever. But it is – it can be kind of a cautionary tale. It can be, yeah. It is – and I think that's something that we should be aware of when we unlock this ability. Like, don't necessarily waste it. Mm-hmm. Not that it's ever wasted, but don't spend that on someone or on people or on projects or causes that haven't earned the right to that mm-hmm. particular skill. So make sure their marbles have filled the jar. Yeah. Okay. The book that she just – so she wrote um, Belonging mm-hmm. or Becoming. 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 Yeah. She wrote Becoming first and then she wrote The Light We Carry. Mm-hmm. And you have not read it yet, but you are thinking about reading it. I read Becoming. What was that like? It was great, as you would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um my favorite thing, I think, was reading about everything before they yeah. went into the White House. Yeah. Her life growing up with her dad. Um, she came from very humble beginnings with her family, her courtship with Barack, yeah. all of those things I loved to read about. And that's what was in Becoming. So then the light we carry, is that during TBD, White House or because after? I don't you, know you, yet. You, you, you I mean, haven't read any says, spoilers for it? I haven't. That surprises me. But she says in We Can Do Hard Things that she talks more about her dad yeah. in this book. And 
her dad was already gone by the time she got into the White House. Mm, okay. So I think that at least there's some more exploration of her early life. Okay. That is my first note. Her dad saying to the kids, never, never satisfied. satisfied. And it makes me think of the difference between gratitude and toxic positivity mm. because that line can sometimes get a little blurred, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. but I kind of keep it in check by monitoring. Gratitude feels like something that you do for yourself. Right. Toxic positivity is something that you perform yeah. for other people. I think that's pretty similar to the conclusion that I kind of came to also, which I am disappointed that you didn't break out in, I will never be satisfied. I will never be satisfied. Because <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of was mm -hmm. Hamilton. Um, but as she goes on and continues to talk about, so her dad would would say she would see us he would see us looking at our plates or at other people's plates and just say, never satisfied. You're never satisfied. Mm -hmm. And that her parents were two very content people. And they, and I, what I started to come away with was that self-content is not about rejecting growth, but it's also not looking at others' plates to determine my own needs. Yeah. So instead of that external validation or that external performance. Mm -hmm. It's not that you just never grow or that you stay stuck. It's that you're not using external milestones or measurements of other people to determine what I, what you need mm -hmm. in order to be satisfied. And it keeps you in the present. Yeah. Which is something that We've all heard we need to do more of. Yeah, it sounds like made up to me, but sounds I'll, fake. I'll give it a try. <laughs> um, but I mean, we do definitely in this country live in a culture of the next thing. Yeah. What's the next thing? How do we get to the next thing? And almost, almost like it's not so much. It's the difference between equity and equality. Mm -hmm. I see this in my kid a lot. Where it's like, well, if they have that, then I want that too. And like, but you don't need that. Mm -hmm. Or just because they get that now doesn't mean you won't get it later or like whatever. That's equality mm -hmm. is you get six, I get six. Equity is you get what you need, I get what I need. You get what meets the needs of your individual experience I get what meets the needs of my in individual experience. We don't really want equality mm -hmm. in most situations. My favorite example is if you're a doc if you are if you go to the doctor and say I have a headache and the doctor tells you you can have 10 milliliters milliliters milligrams milligrams Whatever the little, the liquid, isn't that milliliters? milliliters? You can have 10 milliliters of this uh, children's ibuprofen. Well, I'm not a child. Mm -hmm. I know, but babies, children can only have 10 milliliters of ibuprofen. And so in order to be fair, in order to be equal, you also can only have 10 milliliters of baby mm -hmm. ibuprofen, nothing else. Yeah. Because that's, 
that's equality right there. Right. It's not equity. Equity would be you get what, what you, you need. need based on your body's size, mm-hmm. composition, history, genetic history, allergies, everything that your body individually needs. It doesn't mean that it's not fair to babies mm-hmm. that you get to take two Vicodin. Yes, it's not fair. Not that it's not fair that you get to take two Vicodin. It's just that babies don't need two Vicodin. Right. Probably. So you can't just automate what people get based on what the other person gets because you don't know their specific needs. So Mm -hmm. why are you looking at someone else's plate to figure out what you need? And oftentimes you didn't even know that you needed that thing over there. You didn't even think that you needed that thing over there. You were satisfied without it. To me, that starts to get a little murky and she does kind of talk about that later on in the episode. But I do love this idea of not looking externally or outside of myself (laughs) to determine what I need. And what a gift to give your children Mm. to teach them and model for them to look around at what you have Mm. and feel grateful and safe and contented and confident with what you have yes and again it's not about you never wanting more for Mm -hmm. yourself it's only that you want more because that's what you need and it's learning the difference between what you want and what you need maybe yeah yeah if you look around at what you've got there's a good chance that your needs are met are met and that can't be said for everyone Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you probably still have wants and those are worthwhile and those can be pursued, but don't spend all of your energy thinking about those things and none of your energy on what you have. Right. It's, it's balance. It's balance. Do you have anything else to say about that? No. Um, what's your next thing about? (laughs) Children suck all the oxygen out of living things. (laughs) I think I had a few things before that, but let's go ahead and talk about that because she ain't wrong. I just love her willingness to be so human Mm -hmm. and let us know that she's one of us. <laughs> I, I'm just a regular person mm-hmm. just like you are. But it's true. And, and that actually goes back to one of the things that I have written down is when she said that marriage is an ever-evolving compromise. Um, she said that it seems like a lot of people are just lunging towards the ceremony and then you get there and you're – and she always thinks, oh, Honey, mm-hmm. wait until you get to the actual marriage part, because uh, for her, it's it's not it's about pushing through the hard times. But then that makes me wonder: How do you know when it's the right kind of hard? Oh yeah, because as someone who tried her damnedest, and and I believe that my ex husband did too, mm-hmm. to push through the hard stuff, it just wasn't the right kind of hard. You know, I was listening a little bit today to one of their more recent ones with Kelly Clarkson. Oh my God. I almost asked you at like, hmm, two o'clock today to be like, hey, can we switch to that one? Because I want to <laughs> listen to it real bad. Well, if I understood her correctly, and it was only my first listen, and I was driving, so it didn't have my 
complete and full attention. Okay. But I think because Kelly Clarkson was talking quite a bit about her divorce from her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And, and you know how I feel about her newer song that has the lyric. I do know. And I've been listening to the whole record is a breakup and then emerging from the ashes of this. I need the Phoenix part really, of that yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, you'll I, get it. I've done the breakup. It doesn't start that way, but it gets there. Okay. Um, anyway, she was saying, I think, that maybe there is no right kind of hard and mm-hmm. wrong kind of hard. There's just the one that you choose. And you make a choice and then you stop going, was this the right kind of hard? Was it not the right kind of hard? I don't know. How am I ever going to know? What's the answer? Who has the answer? I don't have the answer. Mm. You just make a choice Mm -hmm. that is the best choice you have to make in your present circumstances. Well, you saw my gut reaction to that, which was, ew, Mm -hmm. I don't like that because I want an answer. Yeah. I want a formula. I want to know that there's that's knowable. Yeah. And what you it sounds like what I'm hearing you say mm-hmm. is that it's not knowable and that's bullshit. And it's not one or the other. Fuck. And you know that is that is perfect because that is one thing I noticed about Michelle Michelle Obama, Michelle Obama <coughs> is that she is is dialectics mm-hmm. in real time. She is two things can be true. She is this and that and it's not one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I and I see that the next note that I have written down is how she talked about um her and Barack not disagreeing in front of the kids, which then made me be like, "Well, what the heck?" because right before that she just talked about how the importance of being transparent about Marriage is not easy. Marriage is not just this, you get married and you guys agree on everything and blah, 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 blah. When I heard that, what I thought she was saying was they don't disagree with each other when one of them has made a decision regarding the kids. Mm -hmm. Because she talked about how Malia did something Mm -hmm. and Michelle Obama grounded her for a semester i will be honest hearing the way they talk about malia and sasha i'm surprised that wasn't sasha that got in that much trouble i mean i'm just dying to know it's not my business (laughs) and those girls do deserve a micro dose of privacy after everything that they have been scrutinized um that just cracked me up because i have been that person that is like, you are grounded for the rest of your life. Six months. <laughs> and Barack was like, Seems excessive. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then but he when said, they were alone but- together, he was like, Hey, if that's what you think, I'm going to ride with you. Seems like maybe it might be a little harsh, mm-hmm. but I've got your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, that is kind of what I came away with was it might be a little bit more of this not arguing about a, like not undercutting the other person's mm-hmm. authority in mm-hmm. front of the kids, yeah, or not um, presenting as a united front mm-hmm. to the kids. But I think it's 
and and there's a difference in having a disagreement in front of your kids about one thing versus I I think you need to go I think you need to be grounded for a semester. Well, now that seems a little harsh. The, doing the bad cop, good cop. Yeah. That I could see as being there being no purpose for that in front of your kid. Like yeah. no good reason to do that. No benefit to that. I mean, these are two people who have backgrounds as lawyers. I am God. sure yeah. that they could milk everything out of an argument, every last drop I'm out of an sure argument they if they really wanted to. Imagine how difficult their children then were because that is they 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 grew up having that skill mm-hmm. modeled for them which is great until they And I'm not saying they you. did. Well, I'm saying they could. Yeah. Without a doubt. That's true. They could have both been very convincing and pled whatever case was in front oh of them. Oh my god, who do you think would win, Michelle or Barack, if they were if they were trying opposite each other? I don't know. That would be a hard one. I'm that would have to be circumstantial, probably. I would have to declare a mistrial. <laughs> That's one of those unknowables. <laughs> so, but I'm not saying that they did that. I'm just saying I'm sure they could. And yeah. I'm sure when it comes to arguing, they could do it and do it well, mm-hmm. both of them. It also is a good just example, though, of how she is not one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say, it has to be this way. This is black and white. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And you have to balance it out. And <laughs> then she says something about talking about uh, our kids are assholes, right? Or something. They or suck later the on? oxygen out of living things and was she- the one that reached out and grabbed me. Because I love my kids and also... Mm-hmm. I co-sign on that, Michelle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. They do. And I love that they. she talked about why are you becoming a parent? If it's to have a friend, right. you are in for a harsh yeah. realization. Yeah. And I, I, I have struggled with some of that conceptually because Mike and I do say that we're each other's best friends, but – then when she kind of goes into it a little bit later, I completely, I see what she's talking mm-hmm. about. It's a little bit of, it's a little bit of both. It yeah. doesn't have to be adversaries, but it also <clears throat> isn't going to be peers. We're not peers. Yeah. Um. She says something about kids are assholes and she's like, but we can't say that out loud because we love them. And mm-hmm. I was, I just said, why not? Why can't we say it out loud? Are we not? I think we can and we I have. We do. Yeah. And again, future Jack, if you're listening to this, I love you so much. And sometimes you're a dick. If you're a person, sometimes you're an asshole. Yeah. Yes. There are no exceptions. Period. I know that I'm a bitch sometimes. Yeah. When it, I, and it just – It is part of the experience of being human. <coughs> she also talks about um, – she talked about their struggles with infertility, changing body, how we don't talk about women's health, and that reminded me of – a conversation I had just yesterday about my upcoming procedure and somebody saying like, okay, now I don't really know about 
our own female anatomy. And I guess I didn't know that hormones were pro- produced in the ovaries and what what actually the ovaries do. And I was like, I mean, same. Yeah. I told you that 30 minutes ago. I'm embarrassed by how much I don't know. I know. And about the inner workings of my own body. And then of so and that's like just a, a slice of it that we don't know then how our bodies react to growing a baby or um how the hormones change things or whatever or how it affects other people and that being a real tester for their marriage. I wonder how that affects mortality rates in our country. I wonder if in other countries there's a correlation between women being more educated about their bodies and therefore being able to advocate more confidently for themselves and their bodies. I wonder if that has an effect on fertility rates. Yeah, could be. Like you would think that it would improve them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we're going to, and we'll get, we'll get back to that. Uh, or maybe it wouldn't because then the women who have made a decision that they don't want to parent mm. would know more about not getting pregnant, being pregnant. I feel like for the people who do want to have kids though, it will, it, it would help mm-hmm. because you know how to get your body into that state of ideal being. Yeah. Either way, the patriarchy wouldn't like it. Nope. So we're just going to go ahead and, yeah. She said, everybody says, have a baby. It's going to be great. It'll bring you closer together. And she's like, no, it's hard. No. That may be the biggest lie Mm -hmm. ever told. Mm Mm-hmm. That a baby will bring your relationship to your partner closer. Mm-hmm. Fake news. Yeah. But this- it will test your relationship in ways that you haven't even imagined. And I think this gets back into that whole why are you having kids mm-hmm. thing. And the the thing I want to say before I get to the whole I'm not one of your little friends is – she talks about if you care too much about your kids liking you, then you're losing already. Mm-hmm. And that being kind of a bit of a joke because Brock was so intimidated by Sasha. Yeah. He just like wanted <laughs> her to love him so badly. And now that she's older, they do have that close relationship. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine it's part- it's only it's it's a lot because he respected her boundaries when she was younger. Yeah. And didn't try to force some kind of fake relationship or attachment or whatever. Yeah. I am not saying I agree with this completely, but I have heard teachers say that. Yeah. If every kid in your class adores you, you may not be pushing them like Mm -hmm. you could be Mm -hmm. or like they should be pushed. That's probably fair. I could see that. I could see why someone would say that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it this is... This is not an all or nothing. Exactly. There are times when that's probably true. There are times when it's not. But it's something to have a think about. Have a think about. 
So then she gets into one of her mom's greatest hits is being, I'm not one of your friends. I have gone back and forth on how I feel about that phrase. It's not really something my parents ever, I don't think my parents really said that a whole lot to us when we were kids, but I, my kid and I have told each other who the, there are best, Jack is my best friend and I am Jack's best friend since they were old enough to talk. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's also true. I'm not their friend. And and this comes back to not maybe having a good enough word for friend. Yeah. Good company versus good friend. Mm-hmm. Because kids want boundaries. Even though they don't think that they do, yeah. they do. And this is something we've talked about before. And I'm sure that it's something that several other guests have said before. And I think you're right. I think there just needs to be a better word. Mm-hmm. Because she talks about you wouldn't treat your friends the way you treat your kids. Mm-hmm. Because your friends wouldn't act the way your kids treat. Act. Yeah. Hopefully in your friendships with other adults, there's give and take. There's negotiation. Mm-hmm. There's logic. Yeah. She says kids are unreasonable mm-hmm. at times. Very unreasonable. Very illogical. Yeah, they're little terrorists. Yes. (laughs) And your friends shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't have to to do that with your friends. And the thing that she said that really made me stop and think was your (laughs) kids. What if you tell your kids, I'm your best friend, but you're definitely not mine. (laughs) I am the best friend you You will will ever ever have, have, kid. I'm going to tell you how to live your life. She says the kid's job is to see, can I push you like mm-hmm. I push my other friends? The answer has to be no. Yeah. That's how you establish safety for your kids. And I, I know that this is something we've talked about too, uh, about being predictable and um, not enforcing the rules consistently can actually create anxiety and a insecure attachment mm-hmm. unintentionally. Because then we are also unpredictable. And I hadn't really thought about it that way until somebody brought it. I think it was probably um, Daniel Siegel in one of his books. But um, Chelsea Handler's therapist. Yes, yes. Chelsea Handler's therapist. Not, you know, the author of multiple child psychology books along with Tina Payne Bryson. But, you know. Chelsea Handler. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, that's probably wants, that's probably what he wants to be the headline of his obituary someday. <laughs> Here lies <laughs> Chelsea Handler's therapist. Um, but I am super envious of Chelsea Handler for having him as a therapist. Mm-hmm. And also that he's friends with Chelsea Handler. But yeah, I just well, wanted I mean, you to know that him. I remember things sometimes. I so, means so much to me. It really does. Uh okay, what do you have next? Come home because we will always love you here. We will always like you here. So this was a response to something that I feel like a lot of us struggle with. Do you prepare the world for the child Mm -hmm. or do you prepare the child for the world? Mm -hmm. And the answer is neither. And the answer is neither. Mm -hmm. But this offers us a third alternative which is neither and both, come home. Mm-hmm. We will always love you here. Yeah. What a concept for me to think about 
And it doesn't mean stay home and hide here. Right. But and it, it doesn't means mean enabling either. We are your home base. And when you need to recharge because the world has drained your battery, yes. you can come here. We'll fill you back up. Mm-hmm. And then you, can, you can go back out. Yeah. It's not enabling either. It's because I think to me, enabling is that message of external things decide your value or your worth or your need mm-hmm. instead of the internal and in its its embodiment and it is just being enough enoughness mm-hmm. is really i think the theme that's something else that i had in here she says we didn't have any money but we had enoughness. Oh, I love it mm-hmm. so much. It's probably going to end up on the bingo board. Her what I wrote, what I wrote from her talking about this concept that her parents instilled in them was when you have a when you when you have a base of love that you operate from, what you're doing is you're providing a safe place to land, to heal and then go back out. And that idea of a safe place to land is it's one of my favorite songs from waitress and somebody just landed somebody landed upstairs (laughs) Upstairs. and since this is the first time we're using these mics we're not entirely (laughs) sure if you guys were able to hear that or not there was quite a ruckus upstairs just now yeah so we'll we'll see how that turns out um and it also reminds me though uh Brene Brown talking about when she first sees her, like every, when she sees her daughter, mm-hmm. every, when she gets off the bus or whatever, or comes down for church and the shift in mindset that she made and that shift in thinking of if what my kid sees the first time, every time I see them for the first time, mm-hmm. if it's critical, then I'm not going to make myself a per. I'm not going to be a safe person for my kid. Yeah. Or... And for me and my behavior mind thinking, you got to pair yourself with your kid. You got to mm-hmm. pair with your kid that you equal your presence equals good stuff, yeah. not criticism. And that was a, a thing that I very quickly tried to adopt with Jack is being really intentional about even if he'd had a bad day at school, even if I knew that he had gotten in trouble at school that day, not immediately saying, well, tell me about what happened to school today mm-hmm. or, you know, like always being delighted to see him. Yeah. And I do, I feel like that was a, that was a, I'm very glad that I learned that early on because mm-hmm. I think it's really helped strengthen our relationship and establish that safeness. Yeah. Safety. Yeah. And that's kind of what it made me think of was Brene Brown. And I'm not surprised because Michelle Obama's in, she doesn't have a blonde bob at the moment, but she does have a bob. Yeah. So, and if she ever decides to go blonde, then she, I mean, she's already in the club. I am going to try to be more mindful about that practice. It's not necessarily intuitive though. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, and that's not throwing shade at anyone or saying like our parents were horrible people. It's just that that makes sense that when we initially see them that's our, our we we because that's our responsibility is mm-hmm. to hold our kids accountable and to make sure that they're making the right choices and when they're not making the right choices addressing it with them and talking to them about it 
So of course, that's going to be the first thing I think of because that's like number one agenda item Mm -hmm. is making sure my kid's not an asshole. But I have found that I also respond better to Jack when I do that. Yeah. But again, it's not intuitive. Um, do what else do you have to say about that? Um, the next thing that I have was when she talked about her role as an activist, and mm. she was talking about the cost for people who must advocate for their very existence. Oof. Glennon gave an example. She was talking to I think one of her kids' friends. They were preparing to go march for a cause or show up for a cause. Mm-hmm. It was a school night and Glennon got off the phone with them and thought, there are other kids who don't have to show up for this cause for the same reasons, who might just be choosing to stay home and tuddy- study for the test yeah, the tomorrow. Of and who's going to do better on that test? Right. Right. Um, I had a couple other things written down um, where she says... If no one has ever shown you the value of your light or your enoughness and how not everyone was raised in that, in a home. Mm-hmm. And I, I did have that experience and it just made me, it just really made me think about self-love mm-hmm. and the struggles of being loved, allowing ourselves to be loved if we were never given the opportunity to believe that we were lovable mm-hmm. or that we had that we were enough in and of ourselves. Yeah. There are a lot of people, including me at times, who wonder why anybody stays in education anymore. <sighs> and I think a big reason mm-hmm. is because people still believe I might be able to be that one person mm-hmm. for a kid who really needs me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, then she says this thing that, again, summarizes the dialectics of Michelle Obama. I need the enoughness that I get from my friendships. Mm-hmm. Because that was something else that her parents did for them is they they built an intentional community of other people that supported this concept of enoughness. And I'm like, okay, but like I need the enoughness that I get from my friendships. So I'm not enough without my friendships, but I am enough. And you need the reminder that comes from your friendships right. of your enoughness. And the support and it it is two things are true mm-hmm. at the same time. It is that we need others and ourselves. Come home. Only ourselves. We will always love you here. Mm. And I, I just yeah, it's rough out there. It's real hard you out need there. Your people, whoever they are. To remind you that you are enough and just stay a while if you need to and fill your bucket back up before you head back out there. Yes. I think I shuffled my notes a little bit. This is very nonlinear, but I did love when she was talking about how her girls are friends with each other in their 20s. Yeah. And they they choose to be mm-hmm. with each other. That kind of goes into what 
<laughs> she was talking about her mom co- was constantly preparing them for for her eminent for death. eminent demise. <laughs> and this really goes into what I was alluding to earlier. Why did you have kids? Mm-hmm. If you had kids because you needed a best friend, then you're going to have a codependent relationship with these with your child. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to see it as being your primary goal to prepare your child to live without you someday. Yeah. Because if you can't live without your kid, then your kid can't live without you. And that sets up for this kind of enmeshment and Mm -hmm. codependence and um, entitlement. And she says, you know, we don't wait to teach our kids how to be adults until they're in their 20s. Mm Mm-hmm. We do it now. Yeah. You do it all along the way. And she says, I don't want them falling apart. What's the point of that? And that is such a mature love, uh, emotional maturity Mm -hmm. that I don't want them to be falling apart. I don't want them to go, I can't do this without you. Maybe they can fall apart a little. Everyone can have a little. (laughs) That's a treat. But you don't need to make it your whole personality. When I'm gone, guys, <laughs> you can carry on and I want you to. This is giving me Cheryl Strayed. Mm-hmm. This is giving me her learning. If you if live your life as, as a, tribute. a tribute to how loved you mm-hmm. were instead of wasting it. Yeah. And not wanting her kids – to need her forever, mm-hmm. which then made me think about, I think it was just the last episode that we did, wasn't it? Where you, we talked about empty nest and- Can't relate. <laughs> I put that back in my notes for this one because she said that. She's mm-hmm. like, now there are more things, bigger things yeah. to worry about. They're adults, they're driving cars and they're having relationships and they're, they're going first- out at night. Yeah. And you these things worrying. are all valid. Yeah. These things are all valid. Gosh, she is just such a conundrum because she says in one breath that, and then she also says, I don't want to, I don't want to go through your first day of work. Mm -hmm. I already did that. I've done that. I don't want to go to school with you. I did that. Oh, okay. So which thing, which wouldn't, one's the right kind of hard. Maybe it's just the one that we choose, but Mm -hmm. she does actually talk about that a little bit later. Um, They, it's either Glennon or Amanda asks, how do you know the fear because which part it's actually and she said it takes practice yes yeah it takes practice which is such a wise answer yes it because as she mentioned that fear comes from within so denying fear is also denying self Mm -hmm. and so then the question was how do you know the right part to deny where which part of yourself do you deny do you deny the fear or do you deny the that the fear should even exist to begin with like what and she that's what she said. You basically you practice it. Yeah. I kind of had a thought of that made me think of where did that voice come from? So if our fears are just a reflection of our a voice in our head warning us about something, where did that voice come from? Who told you? Mm-hmm. You had to hate your body, you weren't my best friend, that you couldn't do this thing, or you you're not qualified for that job. Exactly. Who told you? And then she also said, you just have to experiment with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I fucking hate that. <laughs> but I got it. Um, 
I used to say something about accept the unexpected instead of expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. That was actually in my Facebook profile and our quotes. Do you remember how that there was that? Oh, you were like a you were an, an older joiner of the Facebook. I just remember. Yeah, I I was gonna go down with the MySpace ship. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So I was a loyalist to MySpace until it became clear that honestly, that's very punk rock. Of I you. had chosen. I bet on the wrong horse. No, I think it is a dedication to the craft of anti disestablishmentarianism. Tom and I had just been through too much I together. Oh, what a good dude that Tom. But. That experimenting, making mistakes, fuck around and find out, mm-hmm. and that really being—I feel like that's kind of. There's no like other way to human. Yeah, that's her. That's her like parenting hack. It's just like we we just got to teach our kids how to fuck around and find out, mm-hmm. and be comfortable with making mistakes, and knowing they can they can go out in the world and make mistakes because then they come home and they have a safe place to land. Come home where we will always love you. Yeah, it's okay if that person out there doesn't love you or if you messed this thing up out there, it doesn't affect the way your value or your worth here at home Mm -hmm. and how supporting our kids in this believing of their own enoughness is it's not external validation. It's, it's almost just like just truth. Yeah. I was thinking about when you said it's, safety without enabling, I thought about when she said, you know, I realized much later in life that all of those times that I would dump all of my problems of my day Mm -hmm. at my mom's feet, she was really saying very little. Mm -hmm. She was listening. She was nodding. She was saying, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. Yep. But she wasn't the problem solver. She was just receiving this information that I needed to get off my chest. She would let me spin like a Tasmanian devil. Mm -hmm. And then she would say, do you need me to do anything? Yeah. And most of the time she was like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't. And it reminded me of, because she said sometimes what they need is just that validation that they, that they are heard. And this whole, like, we're all going to die. Yeah. Did you know that we are all going to die? And just the acknowledgement of that is enough then to say, okay, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one. It's it's kind of a cleaner way to ask, do you need solutions or support? Because saying that can feel kind of clunky sometimes, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but just saying... Do you need me to do anything? Mm-hmm. What would can I you like from me mm-hmm. in this situation? Mm-hmm. I would like to ask Michelle, what if they say I don't know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do I do then? Then you go, have a think on that. I'll be here when you figure it out. Okay, Let well, me know. The next time, I'll be around. The next time Jack says, I don't I'm going to be like, hold on a minute. I'm going to get Emily on the phone. She's going to tell you to have a think, and that's going to be the solution. 
this comes back to not solving my kid problems for him. And I am not a fan of that approach. It does. I mean, I am, but also it just doesn't really come naturally to me. But she talks about, I think she talked about this when she talked about the loneliness of loneliness. And that was Glennon's um, kid's friend who had spent the the last few days instead of studying, Mm -hmm. going to this event and how it's emotional labor yeah, it's, it's unseen labor opportunity cost mm-hmm. of onlyness and michelle says that the way that she tries to tried to help her daughters understand how to do that they protected against the extra jobs and they got to sit with the mis- the discomfort of being misunderstood mm-hmm. and I thought that was really helpful because this is when we're talking about you got to choose your battles. You can't fight every single battle. You can't pick every single cause to be a thousand and ten percent up for. You can't be devastated by every single slight or injustice. And who better to give that advice? than Michelle or Barack Obama, who were about as misunderstood Mm -hmm. or mischaracterized or maligned Mm -hmm. as anybody, Mm -hmm. truly. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had to walk that walk. Yeah. They still do. And and there's definitely integrity in her saying that because you know that she lived it Mm -hmm. and experienced it. And it's teaching our kids boundaries and not to focus on the onlyness. That's not your only job. Your mm-hmm. only it's not your only job to be the first black children in the White House. Yeah. It's not your only job to be a voice for students or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you are carrying. That's not your only job. You can't focus on the only onlyness. And also I think that really helps us avoid this kind of victim mentality or the learned helplessness mm-hmm. of, well, it's always going to be this hard. And so what's even the fucking point? Because yeah. sometimes, and when I say sometimes, I mean a lot of times lately, I have felt stuck. I have felt like I'm spinning my wheels and there is nothing that instills primal panic in me quicker than stuck, mm-hmm. than feeling stuck. That's well, my... You were saying not long ago, I don't even remember now which case it was because there have been so many. Oh, we were talking about the Kavanaugh case when that mm, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how you didn't even dare to get your hopes up yeah. because you've just been beaten down by this scenario too mm-hmm. many times. Yeah, yeah. Man, I guess that's an example of me. I feel like that is a time where I'm like, it's not my only job. Mm -hmm. It's not my only job to be invested in. She talks about the difference between being passive and being strategic. Yes, yes, yeah. And not charging in to every situation or every cause with all your guns blazing. Doesn't mean you're passive. It means you're being strategic. Mm -hmm. It's okay to pace yourself. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Which is so 
funny to me as a person because um, one of the main reasons why I never really enjoyed running initially was because I didn't know how to pace myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Shocker>! <laughs> I didn't know how to pace myself. All I I thought, I thought you just run fast right away, as fast as you can for as long as you can. Not a marathon runner, this one. Until I started figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But it makes so much sense. You fucked sense. around I and fucked, you found out. I fucked around and I found out. I was in my 30s by the time I found out. But I did. I figured out what this whole pacing thing actually meant. And I had to feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. I had to be embodied to figure out my pace. Which is Bingo so- boards are lighting up all over the place Earlier. right now. Ding, 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 ding. This goes um, right straight into the next right thing. Mm-hmm. When you can't decide everything is too big Mm -hmm. just focusing on the next right thing it's okay to pace yourself it's okay to just focus on the next right thing you don't have to worry about changing climate change legal stuff right now you need to worry to pass all the legislation today you just need to pass your english class Mm -hmm. yeah because she said do the things that you need to do, the immediate things that will put you in a position, because right now you're 15 years old. Right. Do the things that will put you in a position to one day be seated at the tables where you can make the big decisions mm-hmm. and changes. Mm-hmm. And talking about the stuckness and how you decide between, kind of, I think it, it goes back to what do you, how do you decide what's the next right thing? Are you satisfied or are you scared? Mm-hmm. This is like, kind of going back to knowing what parts of you to deny. Is it that you're scared or are you doing this because you know that the pursuit of it is going to lead to satisfaction? I think thinking back to Kelly Clarkson talking about kind of letting go of the idea that there's a right kind of heart Mm -hmm. and a wrong kind of heart Mm -hmm. is just a way of saying, you don't need to get stuck in analysis paralysis. Oh, yeah. Trying to figure out which kind of hard is the right kind of hard mm. and which one's the wrong kind of hard, that can be a way to get stuck. Yeah. And so you just make the best decision that you can Shit make in the moment. The Do what feels like the next right, right thing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the end all be all right thing. Just do the next, the next right, thing. right thing. Yeah. Um, she talks about how if her parents had one kind of weakness or um, flaw, it was they might have been in the stuckness a little bit, mm-hmm. stuck in the in the sameness. And and she talks about. Um, Mom, you do want to meet the Pope. For the second time. You Did you notice she wanted- said that? <laughs> For the second time. Okay. <laughs> we block out newness mm-hmm. because it's scary and it's unpredictable. And that is, we know, an evolutionary trait to keep us alive. But as we also know, when we know better, we do better. And if you're blocking out the newness, then you're blocking out experience in the opportunity to see more and that opens opens us up to the ri- being at risk for believing all these lies about mm-hmm. 
others' existence or other other truths or other experiences. If if you've never had an experience with this particular phenomenon out here because you never leave your house, someone who was outside could tell you whatever they want mm-hmm. about that. They could tell you that it's, you know, cancer causing big pharma, whatever. And it it that doesn't make it true. Yeah. And on the same side of that, when she went out, she said, I think it was when she went to one of her colleges. It wasn't Stanford, was it? I think it was Princeton. Princeton. That she found out that there were people out there that weren't aware of her existence. They mm-hmm. weren't aware of successful black lawyers that weren't aware of successful black women. And, and for me and how much of my identity is tied up in being seen, mm-hmm. that idea is actually kind of scary to me of getting out there and and meeting people who were like, you're what? You're a bisexual woman who was raised very conservative. I don't – whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Not even or, – or the experiences that I've had. That wasn't my experience. Mm-hmm. And I and she sounded kind of excited about it. And I just thought that was really she sees that as an opportunity. Yeah. And for me, that's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. And now I'm gonna start it's both. thinking because because you know why she thought saw it as an opportunity and not terrifying? Because she is enough. Mm-hmm. She knows that she's enough. Yeah. She has the confidence to go out there and believe that she has a right and and can do all these things because she she was raised to believe that Mm -hmm. and what an amazing legacy and that's something i want to be intentional about yeah not just with myself or with my own kid but with you know all the people that i come in contact with and she talks about trying to be that for other kids that she was in contact with herself she talks about being comfortably afraid and i I thought that was nice. I often wonder if there is such a thing as being comfortably vulnerable. Can that be a thing? I think it can. I think it can. I'm not saying I'm there, but... But if it's comfortable, is it vulnerable? Can it be both? Mm. Ooh. I'm going to have to have a think on Mm -hmm. that. Talking about... Not that people are feeling entitled, but just believed that she was enough. She believed that she was strong, brave, smart, all of the enoughness that she needed to go out and do the things. Um, Confidence versus pride is what I wrote down here. And she says something about, I know what failure feels like and that I can go home and heal and come back and then go back out and conquer. And that requires – she talks about being a people person, right? Mm-hmm. And she can talk to anyone at any time, anywhere. And I wonder if a lot of that was because of this enoughness that she felt at home because being at home, connected, vulnerable, was safe mm-hmm. always. And I wonder if that's what contributes to that because – there, there is no danger in connecting with other people because you had safe experiences with connection at home growing up. I am remembering when she talks in Becoming about what a hard lesson it was for her to learn that 
she couldn't be as candid mm. or open to connecting or being herself as she had been accustomed because that was spun into making her a villain or right. as a weapon against her husband's campaign. Right. Learning who's earned the right to your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty tricky. Um, do you have any final thoughts? I love her. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> really the whole, this whole thing was about the next right thing. Really? That's kind of some summarizes the, um, it's when she talks about when they go low, we go high mm-hmm. and how they're adapting that to when the stress goes big, we go small. Yeah. When everything gets to be just too big mm-hmm. for us to handle, how do I know how to move forward when I'm stuck because I'm in that analysis paralysis? How do I know what to do? I have the confidence that I am enough and I just identify the next right thing, the next small step. And it reminds me of, I talk about this book, I've talked about it before, the Atomic Habits book by James Cleary, and where um, you focus on changing the 1%. You don't have to focus on making 98% change at mm-hmm. one time. Doing these small little changes, doing the next right thing, and the big impact that that can have. So, yeah, I think it's important to say because there's a way of hearing that that sounds yeah. like you're making yourself small. Mm, yes, and that's not It is about honing your focus. Mm-hmm. When when stress goes big, mm-hmm. we don't get smaller. Yeah. We fine tune. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Thank you for pointing that mm-hmm. out because initially when I heard them say that, I was like, wait a minute. Why am I going to take up less space? Mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Important That's- distinction. And you know what? I love too though that they sat with the discomfort of being misunderstood and they didn't have to try to hammer that home a whole mm-hmm. lot. They just kind of let us figure that out from what they were saying. They well, didn't go and in and correct themselves. At this point, we know them. Yes. We I mean, them. they have allowed us to know them mm-hmm. and so they can trust that we know them well enough to infer usually what they're trying to say. Yeah. We hope that you guys know us well enough to realize that we have reached the end of our productivity for the night. (laughs) (laughs) And the troops are getting restless. You guys all getting restless. My brain started (laughs) shutting down approximately 20 minutes ago. The kids are getting a little squirrely out there. The kids are definitively not all right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and I wanted to give a little shout out to our listener in California. Yes, that's right. I just completely blanked on her name, and I feel like an asshole for doing that because I wanted to acknowledge her by her name because she listens to our podcast. And she had written in to us in April, and um, I didn't see it because we had something – we had a bunch of – I think it was right around the same time that I signed up for TikTok. And so Mm. all of these TikTok notifications came up, and then there were emails with Craig about our appearance on his podcast, which um, we will be letting you guys – know about as soon as the episode comes out we were asked to be on um our friend craig a friend of the show super fun um but anyway it got lost in the translation and in in 
all of the shuffle. So I just wanted to say thank you for your email. Her email was about her experience with changing her name Mm -hmm. and that she couldn't just pick whatever she wanted. Um, In reference to the Cheryl Strayed episode. Yes. Maybe it's state by state. Yeah. Or maybe that has changed over the years. Yeah. So, but I did want to give a shout out to her and I'm sorry. Yeah. She took the time to let us know that. We appreciate that. We really mean it when we say that if we get something wrong or if you have alternate thoughts about something that we've said, we do want you to let us know. Absolutely. We're open to that. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. This has been We Can Do Pod Things. I'm the Annalise one. I'm the Emily one. And we'll see you guys later.